Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, December 20th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Horace Kermani, and for the first time this season, get the opportunity to sit down with my guy, Ramiz Mohammed. You know, we've been talking basketball, we've been talking fantasy for a little bit of a little bit of time kind of leading into the season, but didn't really get a chance to sit down with him and really discuss DFS together, which I know he's really, really starting to like take to a fish on water. So Ramiz, how's it going, man? How are things on your end and how are you liking it so far? It's been good, man. I'm getting used to this. You know, I'm understanding the scoring a lot better. You know, it's it's good. I'm getting a lot more experience. That's awesome. Yeah, Ramiz joined our team this season, and he's just really been picking it up super, super quick, super passionate about the game all the way through and all these little details that you pick up in terms of who's actually going to be successful because someone actually understands the game. That's where uh, that's where we get Ramiz in here, which is really exciting for us as a, uh, as a sports ethos team. And speaking of exciting, if you guys have not, as of yet, subscribed onto the DFS Pass on sportsethos.com, I don't know what you're doing at this point. Get yourself on there. It is an incredible value. Sportsethos.com. Get yourself signed up to DFS Pass. You get access to Ask the Pros with players like Ramiz and myself. You got Keith and we got the rest of our team that are not only giving us all this content, whether it be the DFS deliveries that are there on our on our site, really just going through the big picks of the day in more detail, really breaking that down. But also on our Discord itself, you get access to Ask the pros. We really get all the way down into contest lock, really focusing on who's out, who's actually going to be making the big impact right as we get at the time you're going to be locking in your lineup. So you want that opportunity to get yourself as much of an advantage as possible. So take advantage of the DFS pass on sportsethos.com and get yourself that leg up that you're going to need. And speaking of the leg up you're going to need, a five-game slate here, Ramiz. We're looking at some pretty high-paced games, some pretty exciting games. I know we're going to be getting into it here, but there's just a couple of you know, themes that I've been finding as I'm kind of going through today. And really, there's a lot of good value that I've been looking at here. Plain and simple, it looks like it might be a stars and scrubs kind of night for me. Uh, maybe taking myself a stud or two and really leaning into this low-end value. What's uh, What's kind of been your thought process on your teams and your lineup so far? Okay, that's good because I thought I was the only one looking at the discrepancy between the, the stars and the just the middle area not being as packed as it should be. Mm. But I kind of have the same pattern as you. I think I got some stars and I got the the scrubs that might have a good night. Fair enough. Well, let's uh, let's get right into it. So I'm good. I like going th- through it a bit game by game, even though we don't necessarily need to get into each and every play within there, because in a five game slate, you are really looking for those big opportunities here. Right? Much as we have spoken about in the three and four game slates, you're looking at the guys who are going to give you that chance to get you six X, seven X value and really jump into that side of things. So with the Utah and Detroit game, which we do have a game total for looking at 233 with the Jazz favored to win by three and a half playing on a back-to-back on this night here coming up against a Detroit Pistons team which is obviously quite beleaguered as far as injuries are concerned mm-hmm. as far as Utah goes we know that Kelly Olynyk is going to be out for this game he continues to be dealing with an ankle injury that has sidelined him Colin Sexton continues to be out as well while on the Detroit side of things apart from Really, the the obvious news that Cade is out, they are looking pretty good as far as overall health is concerned. So 
Uh, I'm going to be a gentleman here. Ramiz, tell me about what you're liking as far as this game is concerned and really where's your head at as far as value in this high-paced game. Oh, I'm honored. I'm honored to go first. Well, uh, you already said it. The over-unders are on 233, if I'm not mistaken. So this is going to be a lot of scoring. And I, I like I like Clarkson. You know, with Colin Sexton and Kelly Linick out, they're losing a lot of shots. And I was watching uh, yesterday's game against Cleveland. And Sexton, I mean, uh, Jordan Clarkson took 21 shots. Mm. Only hit seven of them. And he still played a hefty amount of minutes. I don't think a back-to-back is going to stop him from taking the amount of shots he's always used to. He is past the 7100, so I know that can be high for some people. But if you do want to go with a budget option, maybe to kill Alexander Walker at 4700. Yeah, I like that. I really was looking at the um, really that value side of things. So as much as Clarkson is pretty nice, and don't get me wrong, uh, he's likely going to get his minutes. My concern, just continuously with Clarkson, is always the lack of kind of ancillary stats that come with it. You know, he'll have those odd games where he'll grab a couple of rebounds, but by and large, he is incredibly scoring dependent, and that always gives me that little bit of pause when I'm looking at someone that's 7,100 there. So uh, for me, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, just for uh, the price and potential upside, 4,700, definitely there. Walker Kessler is the other one that I'm really uh, continuing to be on. Uh, He played 25 minutes even tonight on a game they lost by 23 points. So he is locked in to be the center as long as Kelly Olenek remains out over here. So it's just a a great opportunity for him to continue to take it. We know how quickly he can rack up his blocks and he's pretty much a a machine as far as that side of things are concerned and sneaky rebounding upside. Got 11 and six today as well. So uh, I have a feeling he might be a little bit chalky today, just given the fact that everyone attacks Detroit's defense, but definitely one that's... uh, a big part of my lineups there uh, on the Detroit side. Honestly, it kind of remains the same situation for me as it has been the entire year. I've pretty much avoided Detroit uh, unless I'm frisky <laughs> on a Jaden Ivy night and think I can catch him on one of those nights where he's going to happen to go off. But there's just not enough upside to me to really like anyone on uh, the Detroit Pistons. They'll probably all just share a little bit of the offense to try and keep this game somewhat close. I'm actually a little skeptical whether that uh, three and a half uh, spread is actually going to be stands because yeah, Detroit's just not done anything for me as far as inspiring any sort of confidence. But, you know, tell me a little bit. Do you uh, do you like anyone on the Detroit side? So uh, you talk about one rookie center on the Utah Jazz. I'm talking about the other, Jalen Duran at 4,800 because he's also started to get a lot more minutes. I mean, past games, he's got 29, 30, 36 minutes, mm-hmm. and he's been – starting i believe as well alongside stewart which is good to see so that means that's not stopping him from playing a lot of those minutes and uh kind of similar to what you said about kessler right he's gonna play a lot of minutes he's the young guy he'll get you rebounds and he's only passed that 4800 though this team the reason i like duran especially is because you know once kate came out you know the tank job is ready to get started and i think at the front line you have clean hayes and jill duran so that's why i like jill duran out of it too clean hayes yeah. is a bit too much for me Sounds like we might have our uh, our first challenge to actually look into who actually does better at the end of the night. So I'm going to have to come back to you on whether Kessler outperforms that Jalen Duran or not. But uh, good call on that. Yeah, as you said, he has definitely been playing the minutes on there. Uh, the Jazz front court hasn't necessarily been stopping anyone. They're just uh, kind of putting up buckets on their own end and letting everyone else go through. So should be interesting from a fantasy perspective. But jumping into what should probably be an interesting game <laughs> to actually end up watching, the Chicago Bulls and going back into Miami to face off the Heat. Very different situation than what we had on opening night where they played an incredible game on that one. October 19, DeMar DeRozan had one of the games of his career in that one. And uh, we'll see how many people are looking to chase that where he dropped uh, 65 
65 DK points on that night, 37 points per game. But as far as injuries are concerned and far as the game itself is concerned, we're looking at a 224 total, looking at Miami favored to win by five. And Chicago's, apart from their obviously continued absence of their actual <laughs> point guard and not having any real point guard to go with it, are looking pretty fresh on that side. It's the Miami side of things that does leave a little bit of interest on there. Uh, we do know that, J- that Jimmy Butler is probable to be able to come back on this game, so hopefully he'll be all right. It's the Kyle Lowry questionable status that has left uh, a couple of potential options here for me. We've been seeing the kind of minutes they've been uh, throwing on some of these other players as a result. And same thing with Caleb Barton. So uh, I'll talk about this one a little bit. So as far as uh, Chicago themselves are concerned, really the only area that I would be looking at is that DeMar DeRozan one. At the fact that he's 8,200, given the fact that he is clearly the guy who's getting 19-20 shots a game very consistently, (laughs) regardless of the fact that he's not going to shoot any sort of threes, which is a given. Everyone knows this. But he is getting to the free throw line to the tune of nearly 10 free throws a game in his last four games that he's been going on there, apart alongside the fact that he's getting about six rebounds and six dimes. So it's just... A good scenario for me, especially if I'm looking at a guy who has a pretty safe floor and does have that potential to be able to drop you a 50 DK point night if he can get his offense going. It's just one of those things where it comes down to how much I trust Jimmy Butler on the other end to be really just on him because that's that's really where it's been. And as much as DeMar cooked with Jimmy on the first <laughs> game as far as opening night's concerned, if there's one thing we know about Jimmy Butler is that he holds a grudge and he's going to be looking to come back strong and not let something like that happen to him again. So that's why I say with a little bit of a pinch of salt as far as DeMar is concerned, but that would probably be the main area of uh, value that I'm looking at as far as Chicago's concerned. On the Miami side, though, that's where I've got a little bit of interest. So if, if, and this is where that, like, we're a DFS primer, we're coming to you in the morning, but you need to keep an eye out on the injury reports itself. But if Kyle Lowry and Caleb Barton continue to be out, both Max Struess and Victor Oladipo become very much in play for me. We're seeing the the minutes that are coming there. Uh, Oladipo has now played 31 and 34 minutes in the last two games that he's there, clearly getting himself ramped back up. And even though his pure shot attempts is still getting up there, only took eight and seven in the last game, the defensive stats are always going to be there. And all it takes is one of those games for him to get his offense going as well. And if uh, we're seeing that Lowry's not there, you're likely going to be finding uh, Oladipo being that six man, being able to take on a little bit more of that offensive load. And I do believe Miami's going to need him as the season goes on. So they're definitely looking to find ways to get him integrated. And really, it's the same thing with Max Strus as well. He's just one of those guys where if uh, if any of the main offensive pieces are out, he automatically sees his shot. Uh, shot totals jump into kind of the high, uh, sorry, the high single digits to low double digits. So just gives you a lot of opportunity for a guy who's either 5,000 in Struess's uh, situation or 4,900 in Old Depot to get you that kind of 6x, 7x potential and uh, be able to do even potentially more without having that kind of uh, downside as far as their floor is concerned. But uh, what do you think? So I, I I was looking at the Chicago game against Timberwolves, right? And I'm like, <laughs> Uh, what I what stood out to me was that Timberwolves shot 52% from three. Mm. Now, either the Timberwolves got lucky or Chicago's defense wasn't that good. So I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that Chicago's defense has been struggling these past few games, and you can definitely notice it. That's why I kind of like these, uh, I like Duncan Robinson at 3,700, because he is a low-risk, high-reward type guy. He's been playing 26 minutes recently, and uh, if Chicago's going to play a horrible defense, I think Duncan Robinson is a guy who has a chance to get hot and take a lot of threes. I also like uh, Bam at 8,400. 
because it's uh, a team that has a uh, well a lot of questionable players. So you don't even know who is playing as of right now. But uh, Dwayne Dedman is kind of washed. So I just think Bam is going to play a lot more minutes. He has been having a great season as well. And at 8,400, I don't think about Jimmy Butler is he might be playing. But uh, he's always kind of on that regular season mode, right? So Bam, I think, is a guy if 8,400, what I would consider. Because how much he impacts the game in multiple facets, right? Assist, he'll get you rebounds, he'll get you some blocks, some steals, and points. And against this horrible Chicago Bulls defense, sorry, Keith. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but for Chicago side, I think you said it, right? DeRozan at 8,200, you know, which is it's kind of crazy to think because he's the main man of the team in terms of playmaking and scoring. So yeah. he impacts the offensive side so much that 8,200, I think, is kind of a steal. Uh, I kind of like also like Patrick Williams at 4,200. I think uh, he has a, he's what, the third, the other starter who has a chance of doing something. The guards are something you always try to stay away from because they have so many guards that can perform. But Patrick Williams at 4,200, I think he has a lot of upside because he's going to get like 28 minutes, especially against this Miami Heat team. You know, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity. Yeah, that's fair. Well, we'll have to see how that ends up going and see what kind of party we end up seeing on the Chicago-Miami side. <laughs> but speaking of parties, man, and having just witnessed a pool party in the last oh game with nope. uh, Golden State coming over to Toronto and uh, giving us a slap in even with Curry out. But they're taking on a New York Knicks team that is hot beyond belief, seven games in a row that they've won so far. And they're playing the Warriors at home, favored to win by four and a half in a 224 and a half game as far as the game total is concerned. Uh, as far as the Golden State Warriors go, we do know Steph Curry's out. We know that that Andrew Wiggins is out. And what we do also know is that Clay Thompson is probable for the matchup over here. So we'll see what that actually means as far as his uh, effectiveness is concerned. But it comes back to what we ended up seeing Last time around, so we're going to get to see a lot more of Jordan Poole. We can speak <laughs> about exactly what that could potentially mean because the Knicks side, as I said, coming in seven games in a row, fully healthy, are looking like this revitalized new – I don't know what it is. Is it a false false promise, false start? What it is, but I've been watching the Knicks for just you know divisional rival and all that stuff, but they're, they're looking good. They're looking confident, and uh, Julius Randle is really looking like he's back into the kind of groove that we were seeing when he had his all-star season rather than uh, what we had been seeing last year where he was just completely out of it. So uh, I'll let you I'll let you start over here. Talk to me about this matchup. What do you like in terms of the uh, Warriors or the Knicks? Well, so being a victim to the pool party, I think uh, Jordan Poole is definitely up top on that list. At 8,100, I mean, I, I, I was definitely interested in like how they would orchestrate this offense. But obviously Jordan Poole is not going to shy away from the jump shots. Clay is questionable. So if he does decide not to play, that's even more shots for Jordan Poole. And I don't think there's anyone else remotely close where I've considered because I think you got to talk about guarantees, right? I mean, you don't know how many shots David Chess is going to take, how many shots uh, Moses Moody is going to take, but we all know Jordan Poole is going to take all those threes, all those shots, and I think he's going to take advantage of the opportunity, right? On, to, on, on the next side, Julius Randle has been playing amazing, but I really like Jalen Brunson. I, I've become a huge Jalen Brunson fan since last year. I, it just like reminds me of another Villanova point guard from Philly. Uh, uh-huh. So, <laughs> but uh, 7200 I do like, and uh, he's been playing really great. The whole Knicks team has been playing good, which also has made me decide to consider Quentin Grimes at 4800. He's been playing a lot of minutes, and uh, at home, you know, everyone feels comfortable. And Quentin Grimes, hopefully, that three-point shot is hitting that night. How about you? Yeah, no doubt. I mean. 
the pool party is absolutely on. <laughs> it's probably going to be a pretty chalk pick just because people, uh, regardless of how the Knicks have been playing, their perimeter defense still does con- continue mm-hmm. to be the one weak point. Because Mitchell Robinson, on the other hand, has been a real difference maker for them on the inside. And we're seeing his minutes ramp up as a result of it. And while the Golden State Warriors, outside of Kevon Looney, don't really run a traditional forward, we're going to see them likely attack that much more from the perimeter. So Jordan Poole is definitely in play. Draymond Green at 5,900 is definitely in play for me as well. Uh, we saw him with the Raptors game get up to 15 shots in that game, which is his season high by far as far as field goal attempts are concerned. And uh, he was able to rack up 36 DK points in that one. And, you know, we've seen this in, uh, in years past, right? He's kind of willing to take on whatever role is thrust upon him. And he put up six three-point attempts in that game as well. I expect this to be also a much more perimeter-oriented game than uh, than some of the other ones that uh, the Knicks would have been facing in their last you know, seven games here. So uh, I think there's a very solid floor that comes with uh, Draymond Green, regardless, because of all those uh, ancillary stats that he's always going to get. If Jordan Poole is putting up those shots, it's likely because Draymond's either set the screen and gotten <laughs> the handoff to him or gotten him free for it, which is hopefully going to be more assists coming on the Draymond Green side. Now, I definitely like him more than a Dante DiVincenzo for 6,200, even mm-hmm. though um, for the last like couple of games, I've been consistently taking him, but 6,200 is just kind of a bridge too yeah, far a for too me. too much, yeah. yeah. A bit too much. At, at, in the 5,000 range, I was absolutely happy to take him, but that's not where I'm going to be going. But I'm right there with you on the Jalen Brunson one. This was like the first big like circle that I made. 7,200 is way too cheap for the kind of matchup that uh, we're going to be seeing on here. You know, as much as people... Talk about the offensive side of Steph Curry. He actually does a very, very good job on um, on shifty guards, especially ones that aren't you know large in that sense. So for them not to be able to st- have a Steph Curry on the other hand to be able to basically deter a little bit of what Jalen Brunson does, I expect him to have more opportunities to be able to you be his shifty self, get inside and. Uh, be able to get more dimes than he's been getting in the last couple of games. Those three assist games, I think, are kind of underselling what he does. And the fact that he's still averaging over 40 DK points in those last three games there just uh, speaks to the upside that he definitely offers there. So I like him. And I'll just kind of throw out there less on the GPP side, probably more on the cash side. I like Mitchell Robinson in general. Uh, I think he's just been... I said a key factor into why the Knicks have become <laughs> a lot more of a interior presence this season. Um, the blocks are always going to be there. You can pretty much guarantee that he's getting at least one. And if he gets one, then he has a quick opportunity to be able to get two or three, which is what he is averaging over the last five games alongside 10 rebounds. So even though his actual offensive game is never going to be up there, it's always going to be more cleanup buckets and all of that at uh, his current price tag of 5,200. It doesn't take much as far as the actual points output is concerned for him to be able to hit his floor. And he has not actually underdone his price tag in the last uh, five games that he's played. And in fact, seven of the last uh, eight games that he's played. So it's just a solid, solid pick that you can be able to take if you're doing a little bit more cash rather than GBP. Definitely a guy you want to uh, have at the uh, at the forefront of your list. Moving on to the Washington Wizards taking on the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns at home, a 226 total game. The Phoenix Suns favored to win by eight on a game where Devin Booker is going to be sitting out alongside the continued injuries of Cam Johnson, Campaign, Jay Crowder. Jock Londale is also out on this game as well. So lots to talk about as far as the Phoenix side is concerned. But with Washington, 
really they're pretty healthy. Uh, we saw Bradley Beal get back on the floor in the last game over there, get 32 minutes, put up 17 shots. So definitely not feeling the effects of uh, about a two and a half week absence. So uh, talk to me, Ramiz, as far as Washington Phoenix is concerned, I'll probably say this is the least fantasy friendly, in my opinion, game of the, uh, of the ones that are there, but there are a couple of guys, especially on the Phoenix side that I like, but what about yourself? I, I do like a lot of people on some Phoenix side because of how many injuries they have. I think that allows Chris Paul to have the keys to just keep on shaking shots and uh, passing the ball. At 8,300, I do like him. I also like uh, uh, Mikael Bridges at 6,500. You know, because with Devin Booker's absence, I mean, you saw what how many points he had to beat the Pelican side. So someone's going to have to take those shots that he's not going to be there for, right? And I think that lands on Chris Paul, that lands on Mikael Bridges, and uh, obviously DeAndre Ayton. But uh, going with Chris Paul, I just, you know, as I said, like the main playmaker, the main ball handler, he's going to have the keys to do most likely whatever he wants. Against the Wizards team that can be a bit inconsistent, but uh, their point guard play, they don't have any lockdown defenders or anything like that. So I think Chris Paul and Mikael Bridges have a good chance to have a good performance. Yeah, absolutely fair. On on the Phoenix side, like with DeAndre Eaton returning from about a six-day absence over there, it'll be nice for him to uh, get himself back. 7,600 is... It's too expensive. I'm staying away from him altogether. But uh, I do like the Mikal Bridges pick in general. Uh, I think, one, from a perimeter perspective, Washington is one of the worst teams in the league. They're up there with Detroit in how bad they let their perimeter players go off on them. And the reality is Bradley Beal is an absolute... We don't call it a cone, a flat name with traffic. Whatever it is, he is not staying in front of anyone on there. And for Mikhail Bridges at 6,500, lots of opportunities for him to be able to take advantage of that. He's as solid as they come as far as floors are concerned. And his efficiency continues to be absolutely excellent. And he's one of those guys that really does uh, enjoy the opportunity to be able to kind of operate in that space, get that above the break. And if Chris Paul is going to be breaking down the defense, which is very, very likely, given how things are going, Mikhail Bridges as the forward is going to get a lot of opportunity there. So he's definitely on the play here for me. But as I said, on, on the Washington side, the only guy I have ever taken in Washington this year consistently has been Porzingis. He's at 9000 now. He's about $500 about uh, outside of the range that I'd be comfortable taking, especially on this slate. Uh, and 9000 is crazy. <laughs> yeah, and with Beal back, Danny Avdia goes out the window as well. We already saw his minutes get absolutely slashed in the last game, only played uh, 21 in comparison to the uh, consistent 37, 36 minutes that he'd been playing before that. So, yeah, just not much to like as far as I'm concerned on the, uh, on the Washington side. So unless you have someone you like, I think we can go on to the last game. Honestly, the only person who I could even I would consider is just Bradley Beal. But even then, like based off the other players you mentioned, I think you're the same going down a different route. Yeah, that's fair. All right, well, last game of the night, my most anticipated game of the night, because mm-hmm. this is this is this is a rivalry game, and people people don't like to talk about it so much. But Memphis and Denver have have stuff that goes on. Every game in between them is always an exciting one, and this is tied for the highest point total of the night with the Jazz and Pistons with a 233-point total. The Memphis Grizzlies favored to win by one. So it's a pure toss-up, pick-up game coming at. And it's the late hammer. If you've heard Keith and me talk, it's just one of those things. I, I just, there's just something in my brain. There's something in how I function as a fantasy player that I need to have exposure in that last game. It just feels, it's like I, need, I feel whole and complete. And when it combines with the fact that it's actually a game that's going to be heavily targeted to me as far as I'm concerned in terms of its uh, fantasy value, just 
I, I, I'm in early Christmas mode over here. It's just great <laughs> feeling. I know we're coming into the holiday season. This is holiday season for me. So with the Memphis Grizzlies, as far as their side is concerned, only Desmond Bain is uh, sitting out on there. And then on the Denver side, uh, Jokic continues his probable status, which <laughs> I hope no one else cares about his probable <laughs> status last game when he dropped 95, Damn. 95 DK points on a 40, 27, and 10 night. <laughs> like, I just, I have him on my like season long fantasy team. And I know those who follow Dan oh. will talk about it all, but man, this dude won me the week single handedly. It was just insane. But he's been on <laughs> absolute fire as of late. Uh, beyond that, uh, Jamal Murray is questionable for the game. Uh, we know that he has kind of taken the odd games off here and there just for his, uh, for his injury management. And it looks like it's his uh, left knee that is bothering him again. So I am going to actually err on the side of caution. I think he does end up sitting out this game, which really just means uh, more opportunities for a uh, Jokic to do Jokic things. Cause Michael Porter jr. Continues to be out as well. So uh, jumping into this one, as far as I'm, I'll start with the Denver side over here, uh, Jokic 11,800. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care what his price is. In, in most of these matchups, but especially in in this matchup over here, where he has consistently been a absolute terror on the other end for Memphis. If you look at his splits over the last season as well, just continuously been a matchup that he has absolutely dominated, and he's just on a a tear right now. In his last five games over here, has not had a single game below 58 DK points, including three of those five being 80 and above as far as DK points are concerned. Man, so that's it's, absurd. It is, it's absurd. He's on an absurd run right now. He's definitely going to be heavily picked for good reason on the night. And given yeah. the amount of value that we have talked about, I am easily able to fit him into my lineup. So I'm definitely having exposure to him. Uh, the other side of it is Aaron Gordon, who continues to be my second favorite nugget to take throughout the season. He's just supremely undervalued. His price continues to be in that like perfect range for me where it just fits. Uh, he's got that uh, power forward eligibility while being a guy who actually handles the ball a pretty decent amount for what the Nuggets are doing as well. So 6,500, I'm definitely all in on that. So uh, Jokic and Gordon, uh, 100% are one areas that I am absolutely targeting. Uh, going back onto the Memphis side itself. Now, again, this comes back to how your kind of stars and scrubs lineup is working out because from a guard perspective, I think John Morant, even though he has 10,400, he is expensive. He's coming off a dud game, but four games before that, uh, went ahead and had a good one there. And of course, got ejected in that OKC game for essentially like talking to the crowd. And it was just like a weird, weird ejection that he ended up getting. But I only played 16 minutes of that one. But before that, in the four games, had been averaging about 54 DK points a night on that. 10,400 is a pretty fair to good price for him given the fact that this is going to be a fast-paced matchup a matchup in which morant is definitely going to be uh taking on that much more of an offensive role and it's going to be a super close one as it should be so uh i don't mind taking a morant if other things work out kind of depending on how scrubby you're going but i go back to the jordan Poole, jalen brunson demar Derozan, those kind of eight thousand guards that we've talked about that have really really good upside i think i might end up having more exposure to them than to uh than to john morant but instead i might actually see myself coming back to the other side as as much as i hate to say it i might see myself taking some dylan brooks like it's just one of those oh, where what? <laughs> like, i think i like hurt myself when i actually like talk about trying to take dylan brooks because he's just such a trash bag player in my opinion but 24 shots in the last game even when he's not shooting well which he never does <laughs> 
he's going to have that shot volume consistently just given the fact that uh, this is going to be a high-paced game. It's going to be a perimeter-oriented game. They're not going to want to be going in on Jokic because he's been averaging four steals a game as well alongside. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> but, yes, so Dylan Brooks is in a place where he should do pretty well. And I think sneakily, Steven Adams is also in a good spot for this game. Uh, 5,100. It's going to be one where they're going to try to wear Jokic down as much as possible on that, try to get him to uh, get outside of his comfort zone, catch it a little bit higher uh, outside of the key rather than in the elbow where he absolutely just dominates you. So uh, those are probably the the main guys as far as Memphis that I'm looking at. Ramiz, talk to me about this game. I think I'm just getting too excited. No, I usually said the words out of my mouth. I, I, I was thinking about him like, man, I, every time I talk about Denver, it's like kind of like rinse and repeat. Like, I'm just talking about Jokic continuously. Because I, I, even like at 11,800, man, like, he, like, when you talk about impact, you talk about stats, performance, he, there's not a single category he doesn't miss when it comes to, you know, just playing the, the game, right? And like, especially with this team, like, the, uh, like you said, there's so many questionable players. I mean, Jokic is just a safe option to like have like a star leader lineup, right? Whatever lineup you create on DFS, mm-hmm. I think he's a great guy to just build it around. I do also have a bit of a. I mean, it's kind of dependent on who plays, right? If with uh, Jamal Murray and PJ questionable, I do like Bones Highland at five thousand. If mm-hmm. Jamal Murray does not does not, uh, decides not to suit up, mm-hmm. I think Bones Highland is going to take a lot of shots as well. You know, get some points, and then. Uh, from the Memphis side, I like uh, John Morant at ten thousand four hundred. If you want to spend it on him, I because like you, you mentioned it, right? You, you can go on uh, Jalen Brunson, Demar Derozan's, or you can go for a John Morant and Jokic. And honestly, I wouldn't blame you because I think these two stars are gonna go at it. John Morant with no Desmond Bain has always been a monster. Uh, you went with the Dylan Bricks. I like Jaron Jackson Jr. at sixty seven hundred. Mm-hmm. Because I do think there's a, op, a scenario where Steven Adams can't play good defense. So Memphis says, let's get rid of that and play our style of play, which is small ball. And they put Jaron Jackson at center and spread the floor, and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. At 6,700, I think he's going to get you know his usual, his blocks, his points, rebounds a bit. But there is a concern about him, which is always his foul. As long as he can keep under those fouls, I think he's good to play a good amount of minutes against his team, which I do think is going to be a close game. I mm. hope it is because I want to have a good time. That's fair. But you want to know something uh, crazy about Jaron Jackson, the reason why I specifically didn't talk about him? Uh, it's just one of those things that, like, look at his splits on his away games versus his home games. It, it, this season has been a ridiculous change. Just, just listen to me on here. Jaron Jackson at home is averaging 58% from the field, 17.5 points, 45% from three, 37.2 DK points average. Away games, his field goal percentage drops to 40.6%, 27% from the three-point line, only 28 DK points average, and he is actually playing four more minutes per game more away from home than he is at home so far. Now, obviously, some of it has been you know, he's had a couple of crazy games at home in general, but this is a pretty significant difference that you're seeing on that home and away split. So, uh you know, just throwing that caveat out there, Jaron Jackson can always go off, but it's just one of those uh, kind of things that I was thinking of from my side of, hey, why, what do I potentially want to avoid? Where is it that my mind could go? And this is DFS. Anything can happen. It's just where I've been thinking about as far as that game is concerned. He has been struggling, but, you know, I'm looking at the match and I'm like, they're going to need some type of way to control him. Fair. I think Jaron Jackson Jr., I think he's a defensive player of the year type candidate. So I think if you want to stop Jokic, I think he's going to play a part in it. 
That's fair. Okay. Well, that gives us the end of our five-game slate over here and jumps us right into the Thrive Fantasy side of things, where, again, the props, some of them I was looking at earlier in the day, and I'm like, you know what? This Some just look crazy over here to me. <laughs> let's, let's throw it out there. Jordan Poole, 30.5 total points and assists. Oh, go over on that for 100 points. I think that is a – I don't want to say lock because nothing is ever a lock – I think that is an incredible spot to be able to go ahead and take Jordan Poole, get the 100 points on there, because he very well could be somewhere close to that 30 just on pure points itself from the volume that he's going to be getting. As long as the game can stay uh, somewhat close and go through, you know Jordan Poole is going to be easily leading the uh, shots as far as they are concerned. So that's my one Thrive Fantasy pick. And the other one, we can be gushing about Jokic all night. 49.5 total points, rebounds, and assists combined. Jokic has done that for four of the last five games over there. I think that is, again, one of those spots where I feel very comfortable taking that, especially given the matchup for 105 points on the over. Sign me up for the Jokic PRA. All right, so my turn. I kind of went with uh, Mitchell Robinson. I went under on 3.5 blocks plus steals. And although he has been like continuously getting blocks and steals, but uh, we spoke about Golden State being a more premier-oriented team, right? They're not going to have a... A guy who's going to attack the paint consistently, I think if they're going to beat the Knicks, it's going to be by three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. And with Jordan Poole, with DiVincenzo, potentially Clay, uh, J. Michael Green, I think you're going to expect a lot of threes. And I think Mitchell Robinson won't get quite the opportunity to get those blocks and those steals as he usually would on a regular night. Okay. And uh, I went with, uh, on the other side of the map, <laughs> this matchup that you talked about, Jokic, John Rant on over 42.5 total points, rebounds, assists. I think he's going to have explosive late. He got ejected. He's disappointed in that for sure. And I think uh, when it comes to these matchups, I think John Moran loves them more than anybody. And uh, it's not going to be easy, but I I do like this pick. I'm going over on points, rebound, assists. I like it. Well, there you go. Four picks being sent your way as far as Thrive Fantasy is concerned. When you make those lineups, you end up making 10 of those. So a really, really solid start. Get yourself onto ThriveFantasy.com and set up your props on there. But that brings us to the end of our slate today. So lots of exciting stuff to be able to talk about. As I said, get yourself onto sportsethos.com. Sign up for that DFS pass. Keep yourself up to date with the live injury report. Get yourself on Discord. Talk to the pros all the way up until we get to lock as far as the games are concerned. So get yourself that leg up. Costs you very little for what the value is being offered on the other end. So once again, just keep plugging away on that. And for a quick plug on my side, at H-A-K underscore devil on Twitter, you can go ahead and find me on there where I also kind of keep myself up to date as far as injuries are concerned up until lock, talk about basketball all the time. Uh, thanks to everyone who has been DMing me, talking to me on a number of different things. And it's always fun to be able to engage with the people that way. And uh, as far as the actual tweets themselves are concerned, I'll get more of them out there as well. Uh, Ramiz, why don't you tell the good people where they can find you? So they can find me on Twitter as well at two nice will be spelled with T O zero underscore nice underscore. Gotcha. All right. Well, definitely follow up on Ramiz as well. As I said, I hope you guys uh, got some good value on what we spoke about today. Get yourself onto sports ethos with that DFS pass. But until then, let's go ahead and take down some tournaments and you have yourselves a good day.